our mother walked into this house, Doctors Abel and Rachel Damina. You're welcome, sir. You're welcome, ma. Hallelujah. And just before we receive our papa, can you turn around to your right and to your left with a smile on your face and extend some right hand of fellowship? Salute somebody with a smile on your face, you know, and tell him what to expect in this service today. <laughs> Welcome somebody with a smile this morning. Oh my goodness, if you don't know his name, ask him what's your name. My name is Philemon. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Day before yesterday, Papa began to lay foundation. And yesterday, he continued to lay foundation. Today in the first service, he continued to lay the foundation. And in this service, foundation continues. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your hands above your head with Jesus' joy. Let's receive to the microphone our father, Dr. Abel Damina. Glory! Amen! Lift your right hands to heaven. Father, we rejoice that we are accepted in the beloved. Thank you, Lord, that we are not forgetful hearers, but doers of the word. Therefore, we are blessed. I decree that revelation knowledge grows in our hearts. And I decree that veils full of clarity comes by your word. Your people are equipped, built up, edified, and Jesus is glorified. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore, today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Are we excited to fellowship in the world? Go ahead, let's celebrate our fellowship. Glory. Amen. Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self. Let's get into the world. Mm -mm -mm. All right. So this morning, we had quite some time laying some foundation. And like Pastor Philemon said, we'll continue with that foundation. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. Brother Paul writes a letter to, Phil, uh, to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. We took time to establish that the word inspiration is the word breath. That the scriptures came out of the breath of God. Meaning, God inspired certain people to document. The word heroes grammar. To document the writing of the scriptures. So the inspiration of the scriptures is in the documentation. The inspiration of the scriptures is in the documentation. But God is not responsible for all the events that took place in the scriptures. Sometimes one of the easiest way to say it is that all things are truly documented. But not all things are a statement of truth in the Bible. They are truly documented. But not all things are a statement of truth in the Bible. 
So that's why it's important for you as a child of God to understand how to study the Bible, how to use the Bible, to understand the intent for the Bible. Why was I given a Bible? And to understand how to interpret the Bible. We've already established that if you cannot interpret the Bible right, your worship cannot be right. If your interpretation of scripture is wrong, you will end up in idol worship or you will end up in self-worship or you will end up in worshiping a God that only exists within your mind. And that's why it's critical and important to have sound Bible interpretation. And as a ministry, you've observed that over the years as a church power city, all we do every time we study is Bible interpretation. Every time we study, we interpret scripture because that is what will translate into the quality of our worship of God and into the quality of our relationship with God. Brother Paul will say to the church in Athens, he said, you ignorantly worship God, whom I now teach you or whom I now communicate to you. He said they were in ignorant worship. So there are those in ignorant worship. They are worshippers, but they are ignorant. So in their worship, they are not worshipping God. They are just worshippers. Alright? And then there are those, Jesus said, you worship, you know not what. For we know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. So again, scriptures must be thoroughly interpreted. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, the word ophilimos, advantageous or useful, number one, for doctrine. The word didascalia, it means teaching or explanation. Then when scriptures are taught and explained, they will deliver the second profit to you, which is evidence, meaning that the scriptures conveys a message of persuasion, a message of conviction. They are given to produce the evidence to our faith. Evidence to the subject matter. Salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Then when you have the evidence of that salvation and the evidence of Christ, it will now begin to correct your mindset. It will begin to correct your belief system. It will begin to correct how you reason. It will begin to correct how you see God, your view of God. It will begin to correct how you relate with God. It's so critical. And it will stem from the fact that you are taught, you have the evidence that produces correction. The resultant effect of teaching that will bring evidence that will produce correction will be spiritual growth, instruction in righteousness. That's so critical. And that is why nobody can claim to be growing spiritually outside a sound Bible teaching. You are not said to be growing spiritually outside sound Bible teaching. You know, some people pride themselves in church activities. I am committed. I'm always fasting. I attend Tari night. I am in prayer meeting. I'm always active. I'm always working hard. I am devoted. I am religious. I am sold out. But they don't know the word. So they are just full of activity. No quality. Brother Paul says... That these guys in Israel, my prayer is for them to be saved. For they have a zeal. They are devoted. They are sold out. But not according to knowledge. The people in Athens were devoted. He says, you are devoted in your worship of the unknown God. Unknown. 
So it's critical that you just calm down and give yourself over to understanding how to understand scriptures, how to study scriptures, and how to interpret scriptures so that you are not swayed, you are not taken advantage of. A lot of people are taken advantage of when pressures of life box them to a corner and they are under pressure. Then that is when you know what they believe. Their belief system plays out. There are some people when the pressures of life come and they are boxed to a corner, then they start looking for a prophet that can prophesy for them. Which means that a genuine transformation of mind did not happen to them. Because your belief system will play out under pressure. Am I communicating at all? It's so important. And that's why you must give yourself over to these teachings because they will mold you and build you and strengthen you and establish you so that tomorrow, if you're not in Abuja and you're thrown off by life and by circumstances to an island somewhere in Barbados where there's no power city, you are already a full church on the go. When you land there, you reproduce for the kingdom. That's the whole essence. We are not a church that train you to look up to somebody to help you. We are a church that train you to know how to help others. We are not here to do it for you. We are here to teach you how to do it for yourself. That's the way the kingdom works. Am I communicating at all? That's the way the kingdom works. Alright, so scriptures must be interpreted very critically and in the light of Christ. John 5.39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. The word search means investigate the scriptures. They are they which testify of me means the scriptures will give you my evidence. They will give you the evidence of Christ. Which means the Bible is a Christocentric material that carries with it a Christocentric message. One message, the entire Bible, one message, the entire Bible, one character. The entire Bible seeks to reveal. To reveal one message, to reveal one character. That's the entire intent of the book called the Holy Scriptures. Now, in the first service this morning, we went over a number of things that I wouldn't go over. Get the material. I hope we have all the materials. You can get it and, and, and spend some time to study. We want to look at quickly, what does the Bible say about the Old Testament? Now, remember, in Bible study, there are some laws. There's a law we call the law of single mention. Single mention. The law of single mention, where something is mentioned once, once, and it's not mentioned elsewhere. You cannot build a doctrine on that. The law of single mention. There's another law called the law of double mention. The law of double mention, where something is mentioned twice. And you can take those scriptures and look at them in corroboration and see what it is saying. Then there's another law where oftentimes one place in the Bible alone is where you have that discourse. But it is discussed exhaustively in one place, one chapter or chapters or a particular portion of the Bible focuses on a subject and exhaustives. A subject like righteousness is exhausted in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5, Titus chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 1 and on and on. 
that, that, that those books put together and all of those chapters I just quoted, they deal with the righteousness of God by faith. You can also see that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the whole chapter deals with tongues, the subject of tongues. And that is what we call the law of emphatic mention. The law of emphatic mention. So there's a law of single mention. There's a law of double mention. There's a law of emphatic mention. Where there's an emphasis. Now, <clears throat> so from in Bible study, we will always have to go from the known to the unknown. From the known to the unknown. So again, what does the Bible say about the Old Testament? Matthew 26, 28. Let's get into this thing. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus makes what we call an, an Ihore statement. An Ihore statement. Ihore is spelled as A-O-I-R-S-T. A-O-I-R-S-T An Ihore statement What that means is Jesus is saying something that is going to happen As if it has happened now A futuristic event that is communicated in the present tense Is an Ihore statement In that Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 Put it up again He says for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. They were eating the Passover. They were eating what? You know, that's why we stopped in the first service. They were eating the Passover, which was a feast of the Old Testament, in verse 1 of that Matthew 28. And that Passover was instituted in Exodus chapter 12 and chapter 13. So they are eating the Passover every year. So Jesus joins them in this particular year to eat the Passover. And then as they are eating, he just suddenly takes the, one of the cups. And he says, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. That is strange. Because they have never had anything called the New. All they knew was the Testament. So, they are in the testament and Jesus takes a cup with blood or with wine or with the juice, the grape juice they were using. And he says, this is my blood of the New Testament. Now, we all know that what was in that cup was not his blood. Remember, the Old Testament has prophecies, salvation, admonition, Shadow, shadow, learning, admonition. Are you still here? Okay. So, when he said, this is my blood of the New Testament. What was that? Huh? That was a shadow. That was a symbolic communication. Because his blood was not in that cup. His blood was in him. Eh? Is grape juice my blood? Ah, 
So he takes that cup and he says, this is my blood. That's an Ihori statement. Because his blood was not yet shed. This is my blood of the new, which is shed. But now he has not even died. So the blood is not yet shed. That's why it's an Ihori statement. Are you still in the building? Now, so he makes that Ihori statement. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the remission of sins. So by Jesus mentioning the New Testament, everybody in that place must have been silent. Because new means another one. You will see it in Matthew 14, 24. You will also see it in, in Luke 22, verse 20. New. By mentioning new, Jesus silently had pronounced the end of the old. Silently. By saying, this is my blood of the new. What Jesus was announcing is that the old is expired. There will be no need for new if the old is still serving. Are we here? Okay. So Jesus quietly puts an end to the old. It was very dramatic. He leaves the cup. This is my blood of the New Testament. Now everybody knew that his blood was not in that cup, even in that Passover. In other words, he was speaking prophetically in explanatory fashion. We saw something about that. The law is a shadow, a symbolic expression. So can we say, Jesus said, this is a symbolic expression of my blood of the New Testament. Huh? Can we say that's what he said? This is a symbolic expression of my blood of the New Testament. Or this is a shadow of my blood of the new testament because what was in the cup was not his blood so he must have been referring to the symbolic meaning of that cup that's what jesus meant he was not carrying the passover into the new testament he was not saying let us continue with carrying the passover he was rather saying this passover lasted till now but from now, the real Passover will be my blood shed. Which this was a shadow of. I'm teaching good. Stay with me. Stay with me. But if you feel like sleeping, sleep now. And snore. So that you will not hear what I didn't say. <laughs> Glory to God. The Passover is the law of Moses. Now you know the problem many people have is, many people do not know that there is a difference between Passover, Lord's Supper, breaking of bread. They are not the same. There is a difference between Passover, Lord's Supper, and breaking of bread. Many people think three of them are the same. No. Passover is different from Lord's Supper. Is different from breaking of bread. So what is breaking of bread? Love feast. Love feast. 
We can say we want to have a love feast tomorrow. Everybody come with food from your house. So you bring your food, but you won't eat your food. You will eat my own. I will eat your own. That's a love feast. That's what they call breaking of bread. Then there's another word, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is not Passover. Supper is evening food. You came to my house around 6 o'clock and I said, just hang on brother. We'll have dinner by 7 o'clock. Our supper will be ready. Supper is not Passover. But Passover is a feast that has a protocol. Four cups, spices, candlelight, and there are specific days it must happen. These are three different events and none of them is the same. I'm teaching good. Now, let me show you something just before we move. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16. Pay attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 16. Bless your heart, brother, on the computer. You're working hard this weekend. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Next verse. Everybody, read with me very loud like a mass choir. I want to go. For we be many are one bread. Where is the bread? Is it in the bakery? Is it that small thing people eat? Who is the bread? I am the bread. So what we're talking about, the Passover, the bread of the Passover is we. We don't eat ourselves. I'm teaching good this morning. Let's read it again. For we be many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Which bread? First Corinthians 5 7. First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. Let's go together, everybody. Very loud like a mask, I want to go. Purge out therefore the old living, that you may be a new lump, as you are unliving. For even Christ our is. So, who is our Passover? Is it bread and ribena that is our Passover? Who is our Passover? Christ. So, who is the bread of the Passover? We, because we are the body of Christ, who is the Passover? So when we're talking about Passover, we're not talking about elements. We're talking about our fellowship because we are the elements of the Passover. So when we come together like this and we fellowship with one another, we are eating the Passover. We are the bread. The bread of the Passover is not an element.
eating and drinking because what are we what are we feeding on we are feeding on christ we are eating his flesh we are drinking his blood and that is what gave us eternal life except you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no life it's not literal it's symbolic of what we are doing even in the house is it getting clear some say, but in the early church, they were breaking bread from house to house. Don't forget, breaking bread is not Passover. They were breaking bread from house to house, mean they were having love feasts from house to house. They were eating with one another, drinking with one another, and fellowshipping from house to house. The word holy communion is not in the Bible. Is Roman Catholic that rebranded Passover as Holy Communion. Then Pentecostals collected it as a device to bring people to church and make them pay tight. It's for merchandise. The Pentecostals use it as a control tool. It's another bondage in a Pentecostal form. So now they tell you, if you don't pay tight, you can't eat it. It's the body of Jesus and the blood. And if you have sinned, you can't eat it. Because if you eat, you will die. So why did Jesus die? To cure sinners. So if anybody should eat that body and drink that blood, it's the sinner that should eat it because it's the sinner that needs it. If truly there is anything in it. I'm teaching good this morning. Are you following? <laughs> you know, they won't like me for that. Who cares? Who they are like, Ep? <laughs> if you don't get it, you get it. <laughs> Somebody shout glory! Touch your neighbor, say you are the bread. I am the bread. Right now, we are eating bread. We are drinking the blood of Jesus Christ. I didn't hear a powerful amen. I'm teaching good here. And somebody says, but Dr. Damina, what about 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 17? Put it up. Let's check it out. 1 Corinthians. Somebody says, you know, even brother Paul taught it. Dr. Damina, how can you attack what even brother Paul, a key apostle, taught it? Brother Paul didn't teach it all. Okay. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. Brother Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. That you come together, not for the better, but for worse. Next verse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear... That there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it because I know you Corinthian church. 
from chapter 1, the only thing I have heard from you is wahala upon wahala. It's either you are dragging one another to court or somebody is collecting his father's wife or somebody is causing trouble Corinthian church or some of you are causing commotion inside the church I am for Paul, I am Apollos, I am for Christ. You have broken the church into little little groups and everybody has his own model inside. Corinthian church, I hear there's division. I believe it before I come because I know you people. There is no church that was as troublesome as the church in Corinth. In the entire epistles. It was the most troublesome church that x-rays the kind of problems that are in many churches together in one church. What a church. Pastored by brother Paul. Put up that scripture for me now. Let's get to this thing. For first of all, when you come together, I hear that there's division. I believe it. Next verse, 19. For there must be also heresies among you. That they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Next verse. When you come together therefore into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So what is Paul dealing with here? The Lord's Supper. You are coming to eat the Lord's Supper. But what you are doing is not the Lord's Supper. Because if you call it the Lord's Supper, it means when we come together to eat the dinner, since it is the Lord's own, everybody will have a portion. Because whatever is the Lord's, like his body was broken for everybody, then the food should be shared to everybody equally. No VIP, no, no VVIP, no IP. <laughs> Now, put it up for me. This is not the Lord's Supper. And this is why he said what they are doing is not the Lord's Supper. Next verse. Next verse. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry. And another is drunken. <laughs> Next verse. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Next verse. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, so Paul is rebuking a church for selfishness, rebuking a church for lack of care and love. Now he's using a parable, a parable of what happened to Jesus in the night he was betrayed to teach love. He's not teaching eating and drinking. He's teaching care for one another. I don't know if I'm communicating at all. Now watch this. Watch this. Put it up brother quickly because I have quite some territory to cover. He said he took bread. Next verse. Next verse. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now hold on. So if they are eating communion today to remember Jesus. Who do you do memorial service for? Somebody alive or somebody dead? Is Jesus dead? Then he doesn't need memorial service. 
He's alive inside you. You don't have to remember him. Without him, there will be no you. He is your life. How can you be remembering your life? I'm teaching good. Okay, so, these two in remembrance of me, next verse, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had stopped saying, this cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Next verse. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Remember, Paul is reciting something he was told. So this is a reference. Next verse. Now he has finished the reference and he moves on. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Unworthily. So the question now will be, what is unworthily? Remember the context is love among brethren. So what will be unworthily is some people are eating, some people are not eating. So when some people are not eating and you are eating, it you are what you are eating become makes you unworthy because you have not functioned in love. Now watch next verse. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Next verse. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. This is why it is damnation. Not discerning the lost body. Question, who is the lost body? You. So, if I am, if we are in a love feast or the lost supper, and I'm eating and I'm satisfied, and I'm not considering the fact that there's somebody didn't get something to drink, but me, I'm eating. I even took one and put under my chair for later. And I see people going without food. That already makes me unworthy because I'm not discerning. I'm teaching good here. He's not talking about wine and bread. He's, he has left wine and bread. He's dealing with the application of the death of Christ, which becomes the basis for our love. Then look at the next thing now, he says. Next thing, next thing, next verse. For this cause... Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So what Paul is saying is, because you don't discern one another, a brother in the campus could be sick, but no money to pay for hospital bill. And nobody is showing him care. So in the course of that, because he can't afford hospital, he stays at home, and the sickness finishes him, and he dies. And then we gather to bury him. Meanwhile, if I had contributed the burial money and given him, he would have treated and lived long to win souls. Many are sick because we don't care for one another. Many are weak because we don't look after each other. A brother is weak because he had gone through storms. He can't pray. And those of us who pray are not looking for him to bring him in and fire him up. Many are weak and some sleep. Some die among you because no love. He's not talking about eating and drinking. He's talking about love. It's a bigger thing than eating and drinking. I'm teaching. If you understand, he say, I hear you. Because I really want you to understand. Alright, next verse. For if we will judge ourselves, we will not be judged. That is, if we check ourselves to make sure we're walking in love, then nobody will judge us. Are you following? Next verse. But when we are judged... We are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Next verse. 
Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, to because what's the subject? What did we start with? Lord's Supper. What is Lord's Supper? Eating. Not bread and wine. Eating. Amala Abu. White soup. Banga. Oha. Jellof rice. I know in your mind you say, Kai, this man of God sabi food well well. <laughs> the day me and you meet to eat, you will be disappointed. <laughs> you say, when you come to eat in the supper, wait for one another. When you serve, don't jump to eat. Keep it and watch. When everybody has got in, we now pray. Then we all eat. But if you serve and you say, brother, didn't get, you call him to bring empty plate, you split your own. That is, that is love feast. That is the Lord's supper. Because the body of Jesus was broken and it is enough for everybody. So if what we are doing is the Lord's, everybody should be a partaker. I feel like I'm teaching here. Is it clear? It's not about communion. No, no, communion is about the body. But when there's a cross-testamental application, you will carry a symbolic communication and practice it literal. That's why Bible study is critical. Because you can lose an important factor. You can lose a truth of scripture by not rightly dividing the word of truth. And most of those churches where they do this holy communion, the love of God is not there. No love at all. Everybody is on his own. People are borrowing and not paying back. People are cheating one another in the name of... It's just because you're a sister. That's why I'm selling this gun for you, 30,000. If it's not, you're not 50 for seller. Meanwhile, the person has made 20,000 on top. Because you're a sister. No love. I'm teaching. It's not about eating things. One small cup that you won't even quench your test. I went to one place, they were doing holy communion. Then they asked me if I'm interested. I said, it's just that the cups are too small. <laughs> I, need a, I need a mug. <laughs> and my bread must be this adult size. <laughs> so I can sit down with butter. Me, I need butter inside my own because the body of Jesus is buttered. <laughs> I said, so since the cup is small, you can give others. <laughs> If I descend on it, it will not take all of us. So just, just give all that. <laughs> Leave me alone. When I go out, I go take my own. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> if I'm teaching good, shout Glory! Now, I said all of that to get to where I'm going to. So, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, we saw progressive revelation. Hebrews chapter 10, we saw shadows. God spoke in different revelations. That is, the blood is shadow because what is in that cup is not his blood. He has not shed his blood. He will shed his blood, but he is speaking figuratively of what is in the cup. He wasn't asking us to continue a Passover he was just dealing with figures of speech that will produce the real message, which is the love of God. First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Now, take note of these books. Galatians, Hebrews, Ephesians, Colossians. This will explain to us the Old and the New Testament. I go over the books. Galatians, Hebrews, 
Ephesians, Colossians. This will explain to us the Old and the New Testament. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3. <clears throat> Pay attention. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. What was written on stone? The law. So he said this will be written on the tables of the heart and it will be written by the spirit. So the spirit will write this one on the tables of a man's heart. Now let's look at another verse, verse 6 of the same chapter. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6. Who also hath made us hath hath say I am an able minister of the New Testament right now. Elbow your neighbor, say you are sitting by an able minister. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the later, but of the spirit. For the later killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So, there is a, a ministration that killeth. Next verse, verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraving in stones was glorious... So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. For the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Pay attention. So, what is the ministration of death? The law. Exodus to Deuteronomy. Look at verse 8 of the same chapter. Pay attention. How shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious? Verse 9. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect. For by reason of the glory that excelleth. What is the ministration of condemnation? The law. Okay. Notice verse 7. Which glory was to be done away? So question. Which glory was to be done away? The law. Look at verse 13. Which? Verse 13. And not as Moses would put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold to the end of that which is abolished. Done away. Abolished. It is done away. It is abolished. Don't forget he describes it as a ministration of condemnation. And he describes it as the letter that kills. Now having said that clearly, number one, it is a ministration of death. Number two, it is the letter that killeth. Engraving on stones. It is done away and that ministry is abolished. So which means there are churches you go to when the preacher is preaching what you are receiving is death. It's a ministration. Yes, it's a ministration. The ministration of death. 
And when you are in such churches, you never grow. Because there is no growth in death. Growth is in life. And there are those churches, they have thousands of people who cannot even pray a simple prayer. All of them are dead. From pastor to people. And they call themselves Christians. The ministration of death. Yes, people are falling. Chairs are breaking. It is the glory that is done away. But they are falling and as they are falling, they are falling. There's action if you go. Too much action, drama. And when they take offering, you see plenty of money. They have vehicles. They have prosperity. It looks like glory. But it is glory that is done away. Moses had a glory. But the glory was abolished. Because it cannot be compared with the glory of the spirit. Here we may not have lights and television and all that. But we have the spirit. We may meet under a bridge, but we have the spirit. And the spirit giveth life. What the spirit will produce, ambience cannot produce. What the spirit will produce, cars cannot produce. What the spirit will produce, money cannot produce. So there are two kinds of ministry. There's the ministry of death. There's the ministry of the spirit, which is life. There's the ministry of condemnation. And there's the ministry moving here like in the days of Pentecost. The spirit of God is moving just like a bah, bah. So as I'm teaching inside you, there will be a witness of the spirit. If you are born of God, what I'm teaching may not make sense in your head yet because you are still learning. But inside there will be peace. You will know that yeah, this is it. This is it. This is it. That's why God gave you an inward witness. I'm teaching good. If you understand this, shout I hear you. Life, death, spirit, later, kill it, life, condemnation, righteousness. You see, the ministry of condemnation, when you sit under such preachers, when they finish with you, you stand up and say, who can be saved? That is where people sing this kind of song. 
No, no, it's not an easy road. <laughs> no, no, it's not an easy road. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Teaching good this morning. Now, come with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 7. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 7. For if, now pay attention, pay attention, details. For if that first covenant, if that what? If that what? Old covenant. But what did he use here? First. I hope you know that there is no second. Stay with Bible words. If that first, there's a reason why that word is used. If that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Next verse. For finding fault with them. So, the fault of the first covenant is not that the covenant is faulted. But the covenant is a fault finder. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Next verse. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day, that's when the old covenant started, in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Are you still here? Now he's quoting from Jeremiah 31, 33 to 35. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 35. Now he gives us a new. He gives us a new covenant and an old covenant. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews 8. Verse 13. 13. Hebrews 8, 13. And I want everybody to read together with me very loud. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 13. Let's go. One to go. In that he saith, a new covenant. He hath made the first old. What made the first old? The new. Now. That which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Question. Which one decayeth and which one waxeth old? The old covenant or the first covenant. And what happens to it? It's ready to what? Vanish away. Done away. Abolished. Decayeth. Waxeth old. Ready to vanish away. Which one waxed old, decayed, abolished, done away? The later that killeth, ministry of condemnation, ministry of death, which is engraving and written in stones. Now, stay with me. In Nigeria, don't forget, before I get into Nigeria, you can't use the covenant side by side. Side by side. Uh -uh. Remember we had a 1963 constitution and we have a 1999 constitution as a country. A lawyer, and I know there may be some lawyers here, a lawyer does not go 
to a competent court today using the 1963 constitution to condemn or to accuse or to, to defend a client. You don't use it even though it is Nigeria's constitution. But you don't use it. You can read it. You can make reference. But it doesn't have the power to convict or condemn. But you can read it. You can make reference. But it is not the constitution of practice. And you cannot use that constitution or this one. You can only use the 1991 constitution. 1999. So, the New Testament is the constitution that convicts or condemns. And in this case, never condemns. The Old Testament is like the 1963 constitution. Written for the New Testament written to. So what do we do with the Old Testament? Learning. Shadow. Admonition. Salvation. I'm teaching good. Now some of you are looking at me like this. Because you are not in the service. Where those details were taught. <laughs> so that's why next weekend you don't miss the service. Because I'm going to teach some crazy things on Friday, on Saturday morning, Saturday evening. If you just appear on Sunday like this, you'll just be hearing Latin. You'll just be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> because we're laying foundation. We're on a very long journey. Do you understand? And Satan will pay for the fuel. You didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody get him blessed. Shout hallelujah. Now, so, notice the following. Hebrews 8, 9. Pay attention to this. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 9. <clears throat> I'm almost through. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not. All covenants started on the day of the exodus. And it was conditional. You do, I do. You don't do, I don't do. You pray, I answer. You don't And that covenant started on the day when he took them by the hand out of the land of Egypt. Don't ever forget that. So which means the old covenant did not exist in Genesis. The old covenant started from Exodus. Are we clear? Now, 2 Corinthians 3.13 and 7. He refers to Moses again when the law was given. We're going to look at a scripture in Galatians. Because we can relate the old covenant when God took Israel from Egypt to Canaan. Look at Galatians 3.16. Brother Paul. Galatians 3.16 and 17. P please pay attention. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is Christ. 17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed 
before of God in Christ. The law. Which was 430 years after cannot disannul. That it should make the promise of non-effect. Wow. Oh, I love this. 430 years after. What Paul is saying is that the new covenant predated the old covenant. What Paul is saying is the new covenant is older than the old covenant. What Paul is saying is, it is first of all the new covenant before the old covenant. Watch this. Give me the next verse. Verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Next verse now. We are for then. Served the law. The law was added. Wait. If we say something is added, it means something was there. So the new covenant was there before the law. So the law was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hands of the mediator. So the law was added to the promise which is the covenant in Christ. Which means in Genesis we will see the new covenant before the law in Exodus. Which means Abraham and the rest operated New Testament. I'm getting ahead of myself. They operated New Testament. Notice Romans 5.12. Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Next verse. For until the law, until Exodus, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Next verse. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. From Adam to Moses, was there a law? Huh? No. So the law or the Old Testament started with Moses. That means we cannot call Genesis the Old Testament. Are you here? Now, where was the law written? On what platform was the law written? Table of stones. What was used in writing the law? Ink. Where was the New Testament written? Hearts. What was used in writing the New Testament? The Spirit. When you say Old Testament... A New Testament, listen carefully, you are not referring to a document. You are referring to a relationship. All covenant is not books. 
New covenant is not books. Old and new covenant are relationships. Yes, a document can tell you about the relationship. But the covenant itself is a relationship, not a document. Glory to God. For if that covenant had been faultless. So listen carefully. The old covenant was a perfect covenant. But it found fault. It found fault in the people to whom it was given. So watch this. Perfect covenant to an imperfect people who are not enabled to walk in it. So every time you read the old covenant on its own, it will find fault. Every time. And if a pastor wants to deal with his members, he will stay with the old covenant. Because by the time he finishes, everybody will have his own portion. A pastor told me years ago, I have not preached until everybody's crying. I like to see people cry in the service. You can tell where he's preaching from. It's called Mount Sinai. And you can tell where we're preaching from. It's called Mount Zion. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Now, Hebrews 8, 12 to 13. I'm almost done. Hebrews 8, 12 to 13. Are you enjoying this? For I will be merciful to their right unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Which covenant is this? New covenant. Next verse. Next verse. In that he saith a new covenant, he had made the first old. Now, that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. So, the old covenant found fault. The new covenant will not find fault. Let's backtrack. Hebrews 8 verse 10 and 11. Hebrews 8, 10 and 11. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, say of the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. Next verse. Woo! And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. They shall know me. So, in the new covenant, they shall have my revelation. Why will they have your revelation? Verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. They have access to God because God will be merciful. So, remission of sin is the doorway to revelation. Remission of sin and forgiveness of sin is the platform for revelation. A man cannot access revelation with a heart full of condemnation. 
It is total forgiveness of sin that gives that man the ability to access revelation. So God remits our sins, forgives our sins so we can know him. Sin will never allow a man to know God's character. Never. That's why the Old Testament seems to be filled with a contradiction of God's character. Because it's a covenant written for men under sin consciousness. But under the new covenant, we have a consciousness of the blood of Christ. Glory to God. So, remission of sin produces a relationship. Remission of sin produces a relationship and remission of sin produces revelation knowledge. These will all know me. How will they know me? They shall know him in the Son. They shall know him in Christ. Again, the Old Testament looks for fault. In the Old Testament, you will see people's faults. Abraham, his faults. David, his faults. All of them, Old Testament prophets, they are false. We are clearly written because that is the mission of the Old Testament. To expose your fault, amplify it and keep it before you so that you are condemned, you are guilty and you lack boldness to approach God. So in the New Testament, God takes away the sin, takes away the fault, punishes it on himself, frees you. So now there is no barricade. You can now access the revelation of God with boldness. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. No condemnation. No condemnation. Now remember, God does not overlook the sin. He punishes the sin on himself on your behalf. So the Old Testament did its work and never came to an end until the new came. So watch this everybody. The new covenant is the fulfillment of the old covenant. The new covenant is the fulfillment of the old covenant. Jesus bears all the sins of the old testament. All. Somebody shout all. Look at me everybody. When Jesus walked the earth in the incarnation, the Old Testament people had all finished and died. But when he came, all their sins were calculated and put on Jesus' head. All of them. From the sin of Adam down to Malachi. They put all in a big bag and dropped it on Jesus' head. Then, God zoomed into the future to the end of time and package the sin of every human being even the ones you are not going to commit but you have the ability to commit all were calculated all if you can commit 1 billion sins God times it times 10 billion to make allowance so that you can never get to the limits all of it was brought back in time before you were born and put on Jesus. So the sins of the past. And the sins of the future. And the sins of the people. When Jesus was here. 
All were calculated. While they were still alive before they died, they calculated and zoomed into time and brought it back. So when Jesus died, he died eternally. That means he died eternal death from eternity past to eternity future. Meaning in that death, there is no sin that has not been covered. He is not waiting for you to confess. He already confessed it for you. When Jesus bore your sins, he already took care of it. That's why you don't receive Christ by confessing sin. You receive Christ by confessing Christ. Because he already took care of the sin. So you don't need to talk about the sin. The old account was settled long ago. So today, what do you come? You come boldly. Do you know that the people that the writer of Hebrew told to come boldly to the throne of grace are not believers? That verse is not for believers. It's for unbelievers. That is, you are a sinner. Come boldly. Don't think twice. Come to the throne. There is a throne where grace is flowing. Where the unqualified have been qualified. Come that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That need is not financial need. You know Pentecostal people, every scripture is for money. In time of need. I don't know what need you have, but let's come boldly. (laughs) No, no. That boldness is for the forgiveness of sins. I'm teaching good here. A sinner doesn't need to come crying. He needs to come boldly. He needs to come dancing and rejoicing. Because it has been taken care of. We were having an apostolic meeting with some of the fathers in this country. I don't want to call names. So in the midst of the meeting, after we did our presentation, we were talking to them about the grace of God and the message of grace. And some of these fathers were fighting and all that. Then one of the fathers stood up and said, I hate it when you people make the matter simple. He's an elder. See, that's why most of your churches are full of sinners. You're making light of salvation. You make altar call, people come to the altar and they're smiling and chewing gum. You make it a play. The man is angry. He said, we like to see people come to the altar crying, broken and weeping between the porch and the altar. That's genuine repentance. (laughs) Bishop Mike said to him, so after they cry and broken, they don't commit sin again. They don't commit sin again. <laughs> the man was starting looking at him. He too was looking at the man. All of us were looking at two of them. <laughs> if I talk my own, now, Then Pastor Paul at the Pharisee was meeting. Pastor Paul just said, let me talk to these guys. I said, go ahead. He said, I don't know what you're talking about, sir, but I know I was a drug addict. I was into drugs. All hopes were lost concerning me. And then I came to a crusade. And the preacher began to talk about how Jesus has paid for everything. 
how that Jesus has settled everything that I don't even need to struggle with my drugs. That with my drugs, if I come, Jesus has taken care of me. I had it. It was such news that was so nice. My heart became warm. I came to the altar smiling. I came with joy because I had good news. And from that prayer, the yoke was broken. Today, look at what God is doing with me. I wasn't crying. I wasn't broken. I wasn't between the porch and the altar. And yet I was liberated. So I don't know about you. Maybe you cried on the day you received Christ, but I smiled on the day I received Christ. So, uh, me, I don't know which one you like. I like the smile part. I don't like the crying part. If what we're preaching is good news, people should rejoice and smile. A smoker should pull his last cigarette. Glory to God. Glory to God. The blood of Jesus is not afraid of cigarettes. The blood of Jesus is not afraid of beer. Come with your beer. Come with your cigarette. There is power in Jesus. As many as receive him, to them gave him to become the sons of God. Oh, I feel like I'm preaching right now. Now are we the sons of behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come unto me all in that labor and I hear the letter. I will give you come with your body. Carry the load and come with the load. Don't drop the load though, because if you can drop the load, you don't need Christ. So carry your load and come. Then when you come, he will collect the load and free you to go. Glory to God. Doesn't that sound like the good news of Christ? Sit down, let me finish this thing. Ah, this thing is catching me. This thing is catching me. This thing is catching me. <laughs> hey! Somebody shout glory. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory. I'm avoiding those people there. They are not normal at all. Glory to God. I like abnormal people. Why be normal? Why be normal? This world does not respect normal people. You better get abnormal. Somebody shout glory. Elbow your neighbor say I'm born of God. In case you have forgotten. Sit down. Let's push this. Let's push this. Let's push this. Now, so the new covenant is the fulfillment of the old. Jesus bears all the sins. Somebody say, can you prove it? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Let's read together. Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, by the instrumentality of death, through the vehicle of death, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. See that? God went back in time. 
and began to scoop all the sins. All. Scoop all. Honey, you know, that is why on the resurrection day, Jesus rose with Abraham. Because their sins were born by Christ on the cross. After bearing all their sins, he now had the legal right to give them life and raise them. The spirits of judgment made perfect. On the resurrection, Jesus, Jesus moved into paradise where all of them were. And he said, gentlemen, it's no more faith, it's a substance of things. Bring it here. Take reality. Bring the hope. Take reality. Bring the hope. Take reality. All of them receive life. Then Jesus said, guys, are you all ready? They said, yes, let's move. All of them came out in that resurrection. Glory to God forevermore. They rose on that day. And one of these days, the trumpet of God shall sound. Mortality shall put on immortality. We shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. And we'll be out of this place. Shout, I hear you. Ayana Zobel. You know, see that I was telling somebody your sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. He said, Don't bring that gospel here. You are trying to give people license to sin. License. People know they wait for license. People sin without license. Illegal sin and legal sin. <laughs> Which license? He said, Don't bring that gospel. He said, because once they hear it now, they believe that it's a license. I said, then they are not born again. They are not born again. Because if you are born again and you discover your future sins and present sins are forgiven, instead of thinking to sin, you'll be rejoicing. Uh, What are you talking about? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death. You don't know, say, that the day we received Christ, we died. We die, die. It is no longer I. I is dead. The life that I now live. When Christ, who is my life, He is my life. I have no life but Him. Yeah. Is that work in me? He's my life. Oh, preaching good this morning. Somebody shout, he's my life. Outside him, I have no life. So I now ask the guy, I say, okay, so Jesus didn't die for future sins. Jesus didn't die for present sins. Which one did he die for? He said past. Okay, no problem. So since Jesus died for past sins, when you commit future sin, who will die? He looked at me. Said, you know, if he talk, he who come for here. He said, uh, he said, eh, eh, future one you confess. I said, so if confession was good, why did he die? Confess and death, which is easier. I'll be confessing now. Steal and confess. Steal and confess. Kill and confess. Uh, uh. That's my confession. Maybe we'll holler now. I just told. 
Adam's kill. Finish matter, don't work. I said, do you know that Adam confessed sin and yet he was not free? Why are you, where are you, Adam? He said, I am naked. What is that? Who told you? He said, a woman. How, how far with woman? He said, she made me eat. What is that? Was he free? There's no value in confession. There's no value in confessing sin. Now, before you ask me and waste my precious time, what about First John chapter one verse nine? <laughs> what about <laughs> when people ask me questions like that? I start laughing. <laughs> what about? <laughs> are you now saying what about <laughs> religious spirit? No get sense. What about First John chapter one verse nine? If we confess, that's why Bible interpretation is important. If we confess our sins, He. If we confess our sin, our sin is a He. So by implication means if we confess Him, He is faithful and just to forgive. So that confession is confessing Christ, who is our sin bearer, which is salvation. It's not confessing, I stole. I, I, uh, you go and meet Reverend Father on Saturday. Reverend Father, I stole, I killed, I cheated somebody. Reverend Father, go, okay, you're forgiving. On what basis? He himself, is he forgiving? <laughs> he himself, is he forgiving? Or you think that choir uniform be forgiveness? You know, not everybody fit by choir uniform. Nobody this type. This one nobody uniform. This one, uh, this one uh, fashion. Uniform, not that one. Where then they wear like maternity gown, tie them with something for waist like occultees. That one be uniform. Why they look like that? You know, not say I've been wear one before. <laughs> you need to see the inside. <laughs> You remember, <laughs> I even had two of them. Original one from USA. <laughs> Made <in laughs> mode. <laughs> I said, with this Dr. Damina is so serious. Always laughing when he's preaching. Why make her cry? How can I carry good news and not be laughing? <laughs> you that I brought the news to, you are laughing. Me that is the container. I no go laugh. <laughs> Glory! Teaching good this morning. The man suddenly discovered that his question is a foolish question. Because if Jesus' death didn't take care of future sin, your children that will be born that will sin, who will take care of them? You, when Jesus died, were you born? You were in the future. So that means his death there took care of you and took care of your children's children. That's why it's called eternal life. Not temporal life everlasting life. Life without end. I thought somebody would shout glory. glory. Eternal redemption. Eternal inheritance. Eternal, eternal. Glory to God. See that, let me close this service. Abuja, you guys should be careful. Let me close this service. Woo! Woo! Oh, your people are missing. 
<laughs> if you are watching, sorry you hear. Now, <clears throat> Paul said, I did not know sin until the law says so. So the law exposes and finds fault. The new covenant looks for Jesus. Because Jesus now is the bearer of the sins of the people in the new covenant. Take note of this. So the new covenant does not find fault. Why? Because of Jesus. The new so the game changer is Jesus. Between the old and the new covenant, the, the game changer is Jesus. The old testament finds fault because of Jesus. <laughs> the Old Testament finds fault because of Jesus. The New Covenant does not find fault because of Jesus. You didn't hear that. The Old Covenant finds fault because of Jesus. The New Covenant does not find fault because of Jesus. Why did the Old Covenant find fault? To, to, to put the faults together. For Jesus to carry. Why does the new covenant not find fault? Jesus already carried it. So the old covenant found fault because of Jesus. And the new covenant does not find fault because of Jesus. Are we building something? Yeah. Take down this also. So the faults will be put on Jesus. You cannot apply, therefore, the two covenants together. But you will just need to understand them. You will understand why they were written and what they meant. The old covenant is not to justify. The old covenant is to condemn. So, by condemning you... The old covenant places your sins on Jesus. Of course, no one can be justified by the law. So, the Old Testament again had a medium for revelation. God was known through the prophets by prophecy. In the new covenant, he said, all shall know me directly. From the least to the greatest. So in the new covenant you have access to revelation because your sins are forgiven. The book of Genesis is not new is not old covenant. And you will discover it as we bounce back Friday to this Sunday. In the old covenant faith was hope. In the new covenant faith is Christ in us. Shatobala. Hebrews 10, 12 as I close. Glory to God. Hebrews 10, 12. But this man. Hey, hey, but, uh, but this man. Hey, hey. But this man. Which man? This man. This man. After he had offered. How many? So you see. He doesn't die again. That one took care of past and present and future. One sacrifice. For what? Sins. For how long? Ever. What did he do next? Why did he sit down? There's no more nothing to offer. He sat down. Where? In the place of authority. Eh? Verse 14. 
Let's read verse 14 together like a mass choir. Everybody want to go? For by one offering, he, he will perfect. He had what? For three months. For six months. For one year. Forever. Them that are what? Them that are what? So who are the sanctified? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Let's read together. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 10. And everybody like a mass choir. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 10. One to go. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. How? Through suffering. Next verse. Kabatoba. For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Where are the brothers of Jesus? Stand up and celebrate the champion of your salvation. Celebrate the Lord of your life. Celebrate the savior of your sins. Is that how you're celebrating Abuja? Glory! If you can run, run. If you can jump, jump. If you can scream, freedom! Freedom from sin, freedom from Satan, freedom from death. Celebrate! There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are where? Where are you? No condemnation for the law of the spirit of life. Where? Has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Anybody free in the house? And I have news for you. Totally free. Now occupying your place of authority. They that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they reign in this life. Sickness is not reigning. I am reigning. Sin is not reigning. I am reigning. Who is reigning in the building? Somebody shout, I reign in this life. I didn't hear powerful amen. Father, I pray for everybody this afternoon. Revelation knowledge keeps growing in our hearts. Light keeps shining in the dark places of our minds. Your people are empowered, equipped, energized to walk out of this place and take their rightful place and begin to make manifest the kingdom and begin to make manifest the blessing and begin to make manifest the life of God. I take authority over sickness, disease, over oppression. I take authority over whatever is not planted by God. I declare you right now, wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice, receive that miracle. In the name of Jesus. Ayato Mahata. Where there was complaint, receive solution. Where there was sorrow, receive joy. Where things were not working, receive a way out. In the name of Jesus. Ayando Shakayata. Your steps are ordered. You walk worthy of the Lord. Strengthen with might by the Spirit. Take charge, take charge, take charge, and occupy. Demons, devils, all of them obey your command. Therefore, manifest, manifest your sonship and enjoy all that Christ has provided in Jesus' precious name. And every believer shout that amen like you believe what we just said. Woo!
Now you listen to me. From this afternoon, look for somebody to preach everything I have preached to. Tell him, come here. I just came from a conference. Sit down. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8. Find somebody. Pour it. It's too much for you alone. So you don't bust. Come here, sit down. Pour it. Whether orderly or disorderly. Just pour it. That way you can digest well. And prepare for the... <laughs> I'm prepared for the comeback. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm so excited, man. I'm so blessed this afternoon. Grab your honor offerings. We want to honor the word and honor Christ and honor the labor of his word over us. Glory to God. Every time we bring you word, we respond to the word of God with honor. You know, our nature has generosity. We're a generous people. We don't need to be whined like people who don't know Christ. We are already walking in generosity. So we give bountifully. We give cheerfully. Cheerfully and bountifully. And you know this conference is going to run for, for six months and, and beyond. So listen. Listen. It means that we will be required to give and give and give generously. Because it's costing quite some money. To do all that we're doing in this conference. Your pastor knows. And quite a number of you have given already. You know. And your pastor has shown me all the list of people who gave. And I want to say thank you for giving. You know. But we have much more to do. A lot more to do. A lot of things to be done. You know. And we can do more. Amen. I didn't hear you. Amen. I said we can do more. And we will do more. I didn't hear you. Amen. So as the conferences are going on and God gives you opportunities to make money, don't wait for us to ask. Just come and say, here's 10 million. Put it into the conference. Here's 5 million. Put it into the conference. Here's 2 million. Put it into the conference. Here's 500,000. Put it into the conference. Don't wait because we may not ask you, but the Spirit of God will be telling you because the, the law is written in our hearts with the Spirit, not with ink. So don't let us apply ink because you already have the spirit. <laughs> Ask come and say, hey man, I have 200,000. This is 100,000. Put in the conference. This is this. Put in the conference. Because we will do much more. You know, we'll do much more. Trusting God that we'll have money, we'll just blast radio, blast television. Shut down this Abuja self. They don't come here. We follow them, enter their room, enter their car, enter their bedroom, sit down inside their parlor and take over the parlor. And tell them what they have to hear. This money is coming. You are not saying amen. No. This money, you will get it. Ideas are flowing. Opportunities are opening up. Yeah, You will encounter people that will open up to you ways to make more money. In the name of Jesus. Say, I make money. We push the gospel. Say it again, I make money. We push this gospel. I didn't hear a good amen. And where you need a miracle for money week, we receive that miracle for you. Favor is working for you. Go and make money. So we do the work together. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Fathers, we give our offerings. It's an honor to you and a worship. And it's a sweet smell before you today. And we give you praise for the opportunity to give right now. In Jesus' precious name. I didn't hear a powerful amen.
I'm going to call the music people to just minister and lead us in worship. You just walk out with a smile and rejoice as we give in the honor of Christ. Hit it, let's do it as we give. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, oh, what love you have lavished on me, a mortal, to be called, yes, to be a big mage divine. What an honor to be your dent and anointed. To be your man and your scepter Dance in the rhythm of your heart Father, Father Father Oh, what love On me a mortal To be your image divine What a love you have seen something that the might of God on your inside will produce and cause to happen in your time. 
it's happening in my time. I don't know about you. Is it happening in your time? That you have to set a tabernacle where the truth of the gospel is disseminated. Amen. Now we begin from where we are. We give according to how we have organized our finances. And we, the part we have kept for kingdom investments. The part we have given for, uh, kept for general giving. When you begin like that faithfully, naturally you increase. You tend to much. You tend to be faithful and able to do much more because you are faithful from the small one where you are starting. Don't wait till the millions come. Begin from where you have your 200, you have your 2,000, you have your two whatever. Start from there faithfully because of what you understand, because of what you know. And as you are led by the Spirit of God, that is where the benefit, the blessing, the fulfillment, the enjoyment is. Amen. Amen. So we're giving our uh, kingdom investments and general offerings now. Get the two together and drop them in the same baskets. Let's stand on our feet with that assurance and understanding in our hearts and give generously every time we are called upon to give. Whatever it is you have, check your spirit. You hear the Holy Ghost telling you what to do right now. Amen. You do not resist the Holy Ghost because you and him are one. You have the same mind. So you can't resist him. He lives on your inside. Every one of us, let's stand on our feet. Lift your offerings up to heaven. Speak to it. Command it to go and make habitation for in the hearts of men, in the souls of men to accommodate the word of God that is coming. These your monies help to establish the word of God in people's hearts because it travels where you yourself cannot get to. Thank you, Father. We receive this opportunity and we will not make light of it. We appreciate it and we celebrate it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He is anointing, has empowered me. The kingdom of the Lord is within me, and He has called me in to the heavenly Savior. This is heaven. This is heaven. To be for you 
hours and weeks and months of labor to put together this material for your enrichment. Make sure you stop by the bookstands, get as many as you can, begin to chew on them. Uh, I won't have time to go through the list, but they're all there and they're all good for you. They're not inspirational, they're doctrinal materials. And second announcement I want to make is like we've said, we're here the whole of this week. All of us are here. Mama is here. Pastor Philemon, Dr. Gabriel, all of us are here the whole week, you know, with all of you. So this week, we're going to be here from tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, at our venue in, at Ebenezer, right? Ebenezer, please. We'll be there from tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. We want to do counseling for those who need counseling. Okay, so if you have friends in Abuja, you have people who have been confused about Christianity or who are, who are fed up, who are frustrated about this thing called church and Christ. You can invite them to come for counseling. Or those that are going through rough times, challenges, demons are chasing them. They are dreaming and demons are calling their father's name in the dream. Or they see rats flying and they see cats jumping in their dream. You know, people dream all kinds of things. You have such people. Book an appointment with them. Bring them tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're here at 10 o'clock. We are ready to counsel the whole of Abuja. We won't get tired. You can see that we don't get tired like that. Because there's something inside us that does not allow us to get tired. Okay, it is called the call of God. So we'll be here from tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Bring as many people as possible. We want to counsel them, pray for them, minister to them, help them locate Christ, help them to be established. So book for people. You know, people that have talked to you about problems, tell them, um, there are some men of God who came to town. And, uh, they are not spooky. They are not funny. You can talk to them, you know. I'll take you there. Book some people, bring them. Let's help some people. Can I have a good amen? Then spend this week mobilizing people for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next weekend. I didn't hear a good amen. Are you tired? So you sabida kaiso. Dr. Gabriel, stop this video. You are the one that first heard the song. is singing inside your spirit. And I echoed it. <laughs> Pastor Dan, <laughs> you want to help me sing it? <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. So you, you want to meet us for counseling from 10 o'clock tomorrow every day. Uh, and uh, those of you that have not been discipled, you have not been discipled. You must be discipled. If we don't disciple you now, we will disciple you later. But you will be discipled. So why not now? Because if you wait till later, it is not we that will disciple. It's new converts that will have been born again then that will have been discipled that will disciple you. So you better be discipled now so that you will be the one discipling in them. So quickly, quickly, if you want to be discipled, immediately we close. The brother there will be waiting for you here. You, you will book your name. We set up a class for you to start your discipleship immediately. When you finish your right exam, we give you a certificate so that you too can start raising disciples for the kingdom. I didn't hear a good amen. amen. Then finally, as soon as we're closing right now, if you really need a miracle, you feel like things are really rough, you need you know, an intervention, you need, you need you know, a miracle, you want us to minister to you. Dr. Gabriel will be standing here and waiting for those of you who want us to pray for you and our pastors. We'll just pray for you and receive a miracle on your behalf because we care about how your life is going and we want to make sure you enjoy what Christ has provided. Amen? I said amen. amen. All right, I think I've finished all my announcements. All right, so we hand you over to the able and careful and loving hands. 
Bishop Matthew. You know, we are pastors. They are bishops. Actually, we are brothers in Christ. They are bishops. <laughs> Praise God. All right, Pastor Matthew will tell us how, what to do from here going forward. We love you. Be blessed. We look forward to seeing all of you. Praise God. Thank you. Glory! Please celebrate our global Baba as the exit. Celebrate our Father. We love you, sir. We say thank you for all you do for the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, if today is your first time of being with us here, please come forward. We want to welcome you.